0: Your
1: host. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cindy's Corners. This is the education episode, a very special, timely episode that I share with you from personal experience, from headlines in the news, and with the help of a highly respected journalist and education activist. Many of you know me as a brand ambassador, a media personality, a grassroots activist, a Zionist, but are not aware of my work as an education activist. First, as a public school teacher in a failing school, then confronting the teachers' unions, going through a lawsuit, which is still ongoing, helping initiate legislation about oversight of curriculum years ago. And now many of you have heard me through radio interviews or read about me through columns as education is making headlines around the country. We're going to be bringing you this episode with limited commercials, and in a very different format than what we bring every week. So sit back, stay tuned, take notes, and contact me after the show. Let me know your thoughts, share with me information, and join the team of Changing Education in America. You can reach me through my website and through the various media outlets I am featured on, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and through the various podcast outlets that we are heard on internationally, including iHeart, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean. You can reach me through TalkLine Communications as well. We are all in this together because education is a nonpartisan issue That needs bipartisan support. We'll be back after the commercial.
2: Hi, I'm Kevin Sorbo, and I always listen to Cindy's Celebrity Corner, along with the amazing Cindy Gross.
1: Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. And again, this is a special episode. It's really Cindy's Corner's The Education episode. I recently was asked to join a group of local politicians and candidates and parents from District 29 in Queens in front of one of the schools in District 29. I was asked to speak because I was a former teacher in that school. I was a former teacher that actually won an award in 2003 for my third grade testing. My school won thousands of dollars. It was a statewide uh, award, and it was handed to us by uh, the current state senator, James Sanders Jr. I'm going to share with you some of my comments that I shared, and they include my history in that district. Thank you for having me here because as we see in the headlines from the New York Post and with the help of parents like Michael Duncan and the Students Improvement Association, we are finding out that parents want answers to questions as to why District 29 students where about $28,000 is being spent per child has test scores in math and English way below level. We're talking low teens. I was a teacher in that district for over a decade until 2012. In 2011, I filed a lawsuit in New York State Supreme Court that is still ongoing and due to the fact that it is ongoing, I am limited to what I can share. But there is enough that I can share that has been made public that you need to know if you haven't heard it before. I was a whistleblower. I witnessed Chancellor's regulations and possible state and federal laws being violated in regards to promotions for academic merit, safety, mandated reporting, and within the union guidelines of uh, teacher uh, seniority rights, uh, uh, discrimination in hiring and firing. I witnessed uh, things that You would not believe go on in a public school, especially a public school in a middle-class neighborhood where many of the schools in District 29 are located. I started noticing things in my school around 2005. In 2006, my principal was arrested. Her name was Noreen Little, and it's public knowledge you can look up. She came back to school in 2007 in a plea bargain, pleading guilty in regards to uh, money taken from the housing authority inappropriately. Now, how many of you and me and people we know would be allowed to go back to a job, a government job, when somebody was involved in a money scandal from another government agency? Yet that's what went on in District 29. It gets worse. A assistant principal who was brought into our school and really did not have an entitled of assistant principal in our school was really sitting in what they call the superintendent's rubber room because she had an ongoing investigation from her previous school PS 15. It was later found at PS 15 that she was the immediate supervisor along with her principal of a teacher by the name of Simon Watts. His trial and ongoings in regard to, uh, complaints against him of sexual misconduct with second grade girls is very well documented and I suggest you look it up. I complained. I complained to the teachers' union. I filed a hearing at the EEOC. And basically, I was told that because I did not lose my job, everything was going to remain the same. My principal came back. There were changes in staff. But I saw over and over again, things were not right. By right, you have the right to report... Complaints anonymously, whether or not you're a parent, a teacher, a witness from the community, a supervisor, even a student to 311 in New York City. Many people did. Many people were complaining about what was going on in our school regarding bullying, weapons that were being hidden. There was a report in the post of a third grader with a gun. No one really knew the answers of what was going on, despite many requests for investigations. But somehow I was targeted because I spoke up. I spoke up to the point that Randy Weingarten came to our school and we discussed safety issues. Things were okay for a couple of years because I was doing extremely well with a very talented class, and I was just doing very well. But then all of a sudden around 2009, 2008, again, started seeing things that weren't right. I saw behaviors that were so inappropriate that were very well documented that needed disciplinary actions in the chancellor's regulations that were not even being reported in school safety reports. And teachers' guidance were not filling out reports. You may ask why schools don't fill out reports. It's very easy to answer because schools get graded and supervisors get graded on how safe a school is. And if there's no document, pa- documentation or paper trail, then there's no reason to complain. Parents that made complaints found themselves intimidated and their students intimidated. Many of the quality parents in these schools, students, left. They went to private schools. They transferred out, and they had the right to. A lot of them were able to get emergency transfers. Things escalated to the point that I complained to everybody on the level of, I'm sorry, the ladder leading up to Randy Weingarten again at the United Federation of Teachers, which is the New York State Division of the American Federation of Teachers. In 2006, through the Department of Education business email, but is actually initiated by a principal in the school district, And forwarded over and over and over again to many principals, many staff members, many members of the DOE directly. A four page email was shared and basically it said white women were docile and easy. I was in shock. Apparently others were as well. I sent it directly to Randy Weingarten. Her response to me was seen it many times. Where did I get it? She wasn't even in shock. And nothing ever came of it except I started getting retaliation against me from my teachers' union representative, from people within the Board of Education. To the point, I filed another complaint with the EEOC. And finally, I filed a complaint and a lawsuit that was uh, published in the New York Post, March 1st, 2011. March 11th, 2011, and this is the strangest thing of all. My principal had the PTA president, who she was close with, write a letter to the superintendent, and it was CC'd to four local elected officials. Now, why would four local elected officials be interested in a teacher from PS 156? The better thing about that letter is that I was terminated in 2012. In 2013, that superintendent was fired and arrested for sexual misconduct. Three of the four local officials by 2013 were either arrested, then sitting in jail, or afterwards arrested. And the fourth one Well, there are investigations supposedly into him based on reports in the newspapers. So the question has to be raised, what goes on in these schools among the teachers' unions, the superintendents' unions, the local elected officials, and the Department of Education? that is what we want to find out. When I had my story first published, no one really wanted to talk to me and no one wanted to talk to me afterwards. Even as other teachers were coming to me and I was exposing their stories. Similar stories were going on in other schools in District 29, in District 27 in Queens, with local officials in that area. Their stories got out, but I was told I, my story's too old. Since when is education an old story? Since when is safety in schools an old story? Since when is not filing mandated reporting accurately and fully to help children in homes of suspected abuse and neglect, an old story. Since when is it that teachers are in areas that they have to keep quiet so that they can keep their jobs and not intimidated? Teachers saw what happened to me, and they were afraid. And they still are afraid. And we're going to talk more about that after the break. Okay.
0: Hey, everyone. This is Sean Cannon, and I'm hanging out with Cindy Gross on Cindy's Celebrity Corner at 620 a.m. If you're not watching, then your karate's a joke.
1: Here is your host. Welcome back to this very special episode of Cindy's Corner's The Education Episode. I am your host Cindy Gross. Today I am also your education activist. I want you to know that I am aware that I am giving you a lot of detail. I want you to reach out to me. If you know a student or a parent that is unhappy or has knowledge of questionable curriculum, of discrimination, or bias or prejudice in a classroom atmosphere. Bullying and safety issues. Anything related to the uh, questions regarding the school community, I want you to know you are not alone. You see parents at school board meetings, and I will help you get to your local elected officials and school boards so that you are no longer silent and that you are no longer alone. And I'm going to connect you with organizations, with the elected officials who want to help you, and with the media outlets who want to tell your story. As we went to break, I was saying that no one wanted to hear my story until now. Why now? Because of critical race theory? or whatever you want to call it, whether or not it's just the curriculum that is so biased, full of hate, whether or not you want to call it common core five years ago, or multiculturalism. But I call it something a little bit more. I call it failure, because like the puzzle, you there are a lot of pieces to it. Like the recipe, there are many ingredients to it. And my lawsuit has it all. I'm going to talk to you now about my lawsuit. First of all, I want to tell you that the uh, the teachers' unions are promoting legislation for a pro-act, which is supposed to protect whistleblower rights. I was a whistleblower and a dues-paying member of the teachers' union. And you know what? They are the biggest hypocrites. Because I have an email where I ask specifically, am I protected by whistleblower rights? And the answer in it is yes. Yet they went to extremes. Together with the Department of Education, to try to destroy me. I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. Whistleblowers are entitled to confidentiality, and they are also promised retaliation protection. I filed a lawsuit first. I cannot even get my discovery complete or my witness list fulfilled. Yet, months later, the department of education together with the teachers union held one of the longest 3020 arbitration hearings of ter- de- uh, i'm sorry of termination that's right termination and their biggest claim against me was insubordination that i refused to cooperate with my superiors let me tell you about my superiors that actually came out during the hearing. And for any of you in the media or who know anybody in the media, I will give you the documents because the DOE paid for a transcript and gave me everything. How can I be cooperative with a principal who actually tried to change and tamper with her testimony during the hearing? Because she realized she said something wrong. One of my complaints about my principal is that I witnessed to slap a second grade student on his bottom, which is, first of all, against Chancellor's regulations, and it's also highly inappropriate. Well, that student came into the hearing as a witness against me. And you know what happened? the student testified that I was right and that my reporting to the Department of Education was accurate. Yet, there was no punishment to the appropriate person who did the uh, violation. The punishment was to me. And the arbitrator paid by the Department of Education and the teachers' unions thought it was a joke. He also thought it was a joke that documents were uh, given into evidence regarding a toy gun used in the lunchroom as a weapon among second graders. He actually thought that a toy gun is a toy gun and it was used to play. You know, it's funny when you go on an airplane and you have to fin- uh, fill out those immigration papers do you know what they say is a weapon? A toy gun. And when questioned about investigations that were supposed to be forwarded through the Office of Investigations or the other various outlets, plus guidance help with these students, there is no paperwork filed. In fact, we have documentation based on the testimony of administration that they never filled out paperwork but I was wrong. Other complaints in my termination were that I filed false reports regarding suspected neglect and abuse. Anyone will tell you that suspected neglect and abuse by law must be reported and that the designated uh, Supervisors to fill out the reports are supposed to complete reports, which means history of students, talking to witnesses of events, prior teachers, etc. None of that was ever done in any of the complaints. They try to hide it up by uh, introducing documents that people said they don't even remember filling out, or looking at, or incidents. You like to watch mysteries or law and order kind or law enforcement shows on TV? You know enough to know. Evidence is key and hearsay doesn't count. However, despite all the documented evidence against the Department of Education, against the supervisors of District 29, PS 156, to the point that parents came in on my behalf, teachers came in on my behalf, I was terminated. Basically, an unfair and biased termination because it was retaliation. It never should have taken place. And many attorneys would tell you that's against the law. I still cannot get the first steps of my lawsuit moving. So is that an old story? Haven't we heard enough of obstruction of justice in our lives? Whether or not it was President Trump Rudy Giuliani, whether or not it's even what's going on in the Democratic mayoral race uh, Board of Education voting. We're watching this all the time. But I'm the bad one, the award-winning teacher for exposing this all. I'll tell you something very in- interesting also about my case it came out during my 30 20 hearing a school aide where there were a lot of issues with was arrested for drunk driving and no one even knew about it but she was with the children and there were many complaints about her yet nothing happened there were no, no investigations into any of the complaints against her in fact, the principal and the assistant principal came in and basically supported her. I don't know about you, but with drunk driving being such a big topic these days, wouldn't you want to know that somebody who's watching your child has a record? Tell you something else that happened during my 30-20 hearing. Parents testified under oath that my confidentiality was given up by administration of PS 156. My life was threatened. Did you hear what I said? My life was threatened. The law was broken. And where was an arbitrator all through this? This is what your court system is, whether or not it's an arbitration, a mediation, Supreme Court. It's right there in black and white. I could share it all with you. The DOE paid for it. I'll give you something else. The Department of Education also had as witnesses parents come in and when one of the parents was actually questioned and testified under oath, leading to the accuracy of my complaint, the woman never came back for a second day. And other parents never showed up. Why would that be? You know what came out also? something that nobody knew about that should have been documented through guidance, through school safety reports, and to ACS. I was a second-grade teacher. The first-grade teachers were aware of what was going on, and none of it was documented, including first-graders inappropriately touching each other in a classroom closet. The arbitrator thought this was all okay. Am I supposed to put risk my life and the life of my students to be subordinate to these principles, these assistant principles and this guidance that didn't do their job? Think about it. Who am I answering to the taxpaying parents? Or the principal that was arrested. Think about it. The same principal that in 2009 wrote on a school calendar, CP time is not allowed here. CP time is colored people's time. Can you imagine me as a white Jewish woman writing that on a school paper? The same principal that in 2004 made an announcement at a staff meeting in September that it's because of the Jewish holidays that we cannot get the math and reading routines in our classrooms started. There were many witnesses to that. Yet, it was allowed. And that's where this critical race theory comes into play. And we're going to be having, after the break, a very special guest, a journalist you've seen many times on Tucker Carlson tonight and the Ingram angle and the founder of a pact called the 1776 project and my very good friend, Ryan Godowski. Welcome back to the special episode of Cindy's corners, the education episode. As I mentioned to you, uh, we are being joined by a very well-respected journalist, best-selling author and, he is an education activist. He is the founder of the 1776 project. Ryan Gadaski is also somebody who I consider a very good friend and a trusted ally who stands with quality education and facts about American history. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Oh, thank you for having me.
1: Well, Ryan, You have been making a lot of headlines because of the pack you started. Uh, And I would like you to uh, tell our audience a little bit about what made you decide to start a pack at this time in particular, and what are your goals? Well,
0: I started the 1776 Project Pack. You can see that 1776projectpack.com. And I started it because I was a... Upset with what I saw going on in schools. I have a very large family. I have a lot of younger cousins and given the state of COVID, a lot of kids were being educated at home and their parents were really seeing what teachers were saying for the very first time. And a lot were very, very upset. And I thought to myself, you know, I can't do much about this, but I can start a political action committee to take on school board elections to do something about it. So that's what I did. I created the 1776 project pack. It's been very well responded so far by all the right people and, and hated by all the wrong people. So that's good. And, um, we, we managed to have over 1700 small dollar donors in the first uh, month alone. So it's been extremely exciting. And I'm hoping that in the, uh, by this November, by this September, we'll endorse candidates for school board and we'll spend money on their behalf and hopefully flip some school board seats in some very critical areas.
1: So you brought up a very big issue that I've been discussing as part of my political activism, and that is that People do not get involved in school boards and local elections enough. And 2021 is the year of local elections. But all of a sudden, because of critical race theory and because of what they see going on with keeping schools closed and then seeing public schools versus private schools and the differences of education, all of a sudden this has become like one of the hottest topics, especially among uh, conservative and Republican parents, even Democratic parents, who want their kids to excel in education and they're seeing failing grades. What do you have to say about what is going on in the climate of American education right now?
0: You know, I think that um, given how many kids really suffered this year with, with, with COVID and with the shutdowns and with the schools being locked down and how teachers unions, I think, were making insane demands. And it really gave teachers unions a very bad reputation across the country. Um, as opposed to private schools and Catholic schools and Jewish schools, which were open. Um, I think that parents really, parents who are engaged in a child's education really want to see. a a turnaround you know in a lot of major cities in this country you have children who can't read and write at their grade level um and the understanding of american history is horrendous they just they don't have a lot of uh historical references to work with um and i think that at that time given how piss poor a lot of the standards are and a lot of the grades are trying to use education as a political football with promoting critical race theory is a horrible idea it shouldn't be in the top 10 concerns of most educators but for some reason equity training and anti-racism activism um, and critical race theory are Um, and that's why I think where I can help step in and really start turning some things around and getting involved and helping get conservative parents elected to school boards.
1: Have you noticed certain areas of the country where the PAC is becoming more popular than others?
0: Well, I mean, we've only been around for a month, so I haven't really had the opportunity to see exactly examine where people are donating from and where people are getting involved from. But I will say that, you know, the 1619 project, which is an offshoot of critical race theory um, is being taught in 3,500 classrooms and it is being taught in classrooms um, as diverse in diverse areas and conservative areas. Um, and I think that that's why you've seen governors step in and, and try to get rid of it and ban it altogether. But I don't think you can just ban it. I think you really need to do more by getting involved in the school board elections. And, um in this upcoming election cycle in 2021, there are school board elections in a dozen states. Um, and hopefully we can play in as many of them as possible. I would like to see, see us get involved in Pennsylvania and Kansas, in uh, North Carolina, Virginia, and New Jersey, um, to say a few, uh, Nebraska as well, and hopefully um, we'll work from there and we'll grow the pack and we'll deal, we'll get involved with statewide education trustees elections for next year.
1: Have you heard from anybody in connection to the teachers unions?
0: Teachers unions, no. Several politicians and political organizations have gotten back to me. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. agreed to help do a fundraising mailer for me. Uh, Ron DeSantis' office has reached out to me several times now about how they can help with getting rid of critical race theories and that the governor cares a lot about. Um, and a lot of education activists on the right have reached out to me. But the Teachers Union so far I have not. The New York Times wrote a piece about my PAC um, with historians on it saying that it was dangerous and uh, that it lit a fire and uh, it's problematic. So... Um that I accept as a as a token of victory.
1: Where can our audience find you?
0: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Grudowski and the seventeen seventy-six Project Pack at 1776 Project Pack PAC.com.
1: So we're friends uh for many years. We've worked on campaigns together, we've uh, been at parties together, we have a lot of similar friends, etc. But I bet you don't even realize how involved I am in education. And I know,
0: I know how. it's what we started talking about when I met. I, I was trying to think when I met you, I think I met you at Ebony K. Williams book party. I think that's where we met. I, I think we knew terrible, each other
1: before that, but we I, I,
0: other- I have a terrible memory of how I met people, but I remember that's where we did see each other. I think that's our first picture we ever took together. So I'm, I'm just, that's, that's the
1: first I, picture. First, correct. Yeah,
0: that's my start date of how I remember you.
1: So I have my lawsuit going on, and nobody wanted to talk to me about what's going on in public schools. And now I'm getting calls and doing a lot of press all over the country. And I'm finding out that a lot of people don't even know totally what critical race theory is, and they're just using these code words and stuff. And they really don't understand what's happening in education. So in a brief summary, can you tell people... What you believe is critical race theory.
0: Well, I've, I've been, I reference Richard, Del, Richard Delgado's book, um, an introduction to critical race theory when talking about CRT. Um, and in Richard Delgado's book, the essential elements of critical race theory is the belief that non whites, non whites, not just in America, but across the world, deal with racism on a daily basis um, that all whites, whether, regardless of your income benefit from racism and that, um, the institutions created in our country are, um, uh, uphold, uh, racism. Um, and they also believe that any act to create a colorblind society is only done to benefit whites, so a perfect example would be Brown uh, versus the Board of Education. I was just reading about their argument yesterday, and it's, it's so insane. It's in the front of my head. They believe that Brown v. Board of Education was only decided by the Supreme Court against segregation, not to benefit blacks and not because of injustices or equality. They believe it's only because so many blacks returned home from World War II that the nation would face a violent uprising if they didn't decide that. That is not anywhere in any documentation whatsoever. Um, that was not a, a reason to, for the decision whatsoever. They also make the claim based on loosely affiliated articles from the justice department at the time that, um, that decision was only made to sit there and advance America in the cold war, um, And that's how they make the argument that any attempt for a colorblind society isn't done out of altruism. It's done out of the priority and the benefit of whites. Um, And it's their overall rejection of Martin Luther King's civil rights era idea of, you know, judge somebody by the quality of their character, not by the color of their skin.
1: So my lawsuit actually proves how critical race theory is totally wrong because I am in a middle class black neighborhood predominantly black staff members who produced failing results for black students violated chancellor's regulations to benefit themselves there was multiple corruption as exposed in the uh press and Basically, they're not doing anything to help their own community. They're hurting them at the uh, at the expense of every taxpayer. So this is so important, and maybe that's why together our work is so timely because there are so many angles to this. And when I try to explain to people what is going on in these schools, and it's not just the curriculum, but it's even the safety violations. I mean, if you teach people to be violent, we see the results on the streets now. If you teach people it's okay to break the law, you see what's going on right now. And I think it's a much bigger picture and there's going to be a lot more discussion as we start talking about opening schools in September. Ryan, I can't thank you enough for joining me. Any last closing you want to share?
0: Jess, if you're interested in the project pack, uh, in 1776 project pack, please visit our website. You can donate, you can get involved, you can tell us if you're running for school board. Uh, We'd love to hear from everybody.
1: Thank you so much for joining me. I look forward to uh, being at a party with you soon uh, now that we are back from COVID and to continue working with you on improving education for all. Thank you so much for joining the corner.
0: Thank you, Cindy. Hi,
2: this is Donnie Most, and I always enjoy listening to Cindy's Celebrity Corner with Cindy Gross.
1: And now your host. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am Cindy Gross, today, education activist of Cindy's Educational Corner. We just heard a little bit about curriculum, the 1776 project, which I suggest you all look into and get involved with. And now I'm going to share with you something that I haven't discussed before. I actually went to my local assembly people and asked them, to sponsor a bill to end anti-Semitism in New York classrooms in 2016. I brought to them a lot of information in regard to the curriculum in a classroom. Way before critical race theory. I brought it as a Jew, as a Zionist, very upset with some of the handouts being given out to students, assignments being uh, shared, textbooks with wrong information, even some of the teacher uh, professional development sessions. People were coming to me and sharing with me documents and books, handouts, teacher's guides, that were very, very disturbing because they were filled with inaccuracies. I'll give you one that's not involving the Jewish community. I was sent a copy of a handout given to elementary children in the lower grades that says African Americans came to America for a better life in the 13 colonies. We all know that's not true. So I took some of that information to local assembly people in New York, one Democrat, one Republican. The Republican really worked on it more. And it was passed in the assembly in regard to curriculum oversight The bill recreated prevented bias within textbooks and educational system from occurring based on textbook and instructional material used in elementary classrooms that should not promote any political or social agenda. It should be an accurate portrayal of how history has unfolded and as best as we can interpret it from fact. The legislation was passed in the assembly and it is an example of how New York State can lead the way for a quest for nonpartisan improvement of education serving all students equally and without discrimination or bias it did not pass the state senate and I must be honest the reason it did not pass the state senate was not because of a democrat it was because a republican state senator with feared the teachers union. So, unfortunately, this is still sitting. I am asking all of you to reach out to me about this curriculum oversight legislation and use it and bring it to the attention of your local school boards and your local elected officials, your town supervisors your Assembly and State Senators, your Council people. Because maybe if this was passed in 2016, we wouldn't be where we are today in 2021. I want to thank all of you for joining me on this special episode of Education. I look forward to really working with all of you, not just hearing from you, but actually working. Doesn't matter what state you're from, doesn't matter what your background is. If we don't fight this together, we are going to lose the future for our children. If we don't lose the present first. We will be back next week with our entertainment and celebrity interviews. I want you, again, to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Through my website, you can contact me through TalkLine Communications and share with me facts. We could easily set up Zoom meetings with your friends, with fellow parents, with students. You are not alone. People thought that after I was terminated, I'd stay quiet and I'd run away. Well, Because of you, I am here, stronger than ever. Because just remember this, the facts and the truth always win. Have a great week. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Thank you for joining me in the corner.
2: Selling a home can be expensive and stressful. REMAX IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. Just ask Joseph M. from Brooklyn. REMAX IQ made it easy. No for sale sign. I had offers in days. I saved $10,000 in commission, and I was in contract fast. If you're thinking of selling, RE-MAX IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. To learn more, call 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. We're not a discount broker. We're Remax IQ. Speak with a top agent today. 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. Or visit RemaxIQ.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit www.remaxiq.com slash disclaimer.
1: Cindy Gross in the media. I've been in the media a lot, but as far as education, it started on June 7th, 2021, when PJ Media printed an article by a great journalist by the name of Brian Preston. Emails resurfaced showing Teachers Union boss Randy Weingarten dismissing racism in New York schools. And from that day on, My phone has been ringing, requesting me to be on radio shows throughout the country. And I'm very proud to say that the response has been extremely positive. I'm going to read to you a couple of parts of the uh, interview that went into the article. And I can tell you that Brian did a lot of research because he really followed it up with a lot of information. Corruption, critical race theory, and anti-white and anti-Semitic racism are not new to New York City public schools. Award-winning teacher Cindy Gross has been fighting it for years blowing the whistle on racist language used by the principal at the schools where she worked and exposing other corruption and bad deeds in New York school. For years, no one listened. She was terminated despite whistleblower protections. Now the true nature of New York schools is a citywide topic. As the campaign to replace Mayor Bill de Blasio is heating up in its final weeks and the AFT head Randy Weingarten is battling against reopening schools. In fact, today I saw that on TV because of the new COVID virus. And despite the science before the about face, They are pushing more and more indoctrination into public schools. And he goes into my story. He goes into details that we've shared on other parts of this episode about my principal, but he really goes into explaining My principal was given a mild slap on the wrist in 2009. On October 9th, 2009, my principal received notice in writing that her comment in writing to the school community about CP time was discriminatory. The letter was from Community Superintendent Lennon C. Murray, and he had advised Little that she had violated the Chancellor's Regulation A. 830 against any and all types of discrimination and was therefore derelict in her duties, but little kept her job. He goes into her other first offense from a press release from the New York City Department of Investigation where she was involved and arrested for grand larceny false filing felonies, crimes constituting more than $230,000 in fraud. And he goes on more and more about other information that I've shared here in regards to the racist emails and uh, the other controversies. He also went on to point out the anti-Semitism, Weingarten herself has been uh, called out on. She accused Jewish Americans like myself of owning the own. Uh, I'm sorry, of joining the ownership class, and then making it more difficult for others to succeed. Now, this is not new for her because look what she did to me 15 years ago, and I have other examples which I haven't shared yet because they are part of my. Case that are going to just blow everything out there for two decades, and what hypocrites run the teachers' unions. Weigarten recently said Jews were immigrants from somewhere else, and they had needed the right to public education, and they needed power to have enough income and wealth for their families that they could put their kids through college and their kids could do better than they have done. Both economic opportunity through the labor movement and an educational opportunity through public education were key for Jews to go from the working class to the ownership class. And then she continued, what I hear when I hear that question is that those who are in the ownership class now want to take away the ladder of opportunity from those who do not have it. You know what the interesting situation is? In my district, that I've been pointing out and that the parents have been pointing out now since the New York Post article of a couple of weeks ago, the parents who are black, is that the ownership of District 29, the majority of them are black, the majority of teachers are black, the majority of students are black, and the student failure rate is over the top. It's in the teens of success and passing test scores in reading and math. Think about that. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. And just like that, the hour flew by. I promised you great guest, great conversation, and lots of information to think about. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please let me know what you think. You can reach out to me through my website, Cindy's Corners, and email me through there. Or you can reach me and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Never miss an episode. Download it on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Podbean, Jewish Podcast, and you can also listen to us through the TalkLine Radio Networks. Thank you for joining Cindy Celebrity Corner, where all our angles and points meet and where you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy the Celebrity Corner. Thank you and have a good night.